Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From our socially distanced virtual lunch table in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal, editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business, Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. One of the most exciting and interesting aspects of entrepreneurship is that there are so many niches and fields and areas of specialty that didn't exist as recently as just 20 years ago, and yet today are providing opportunities for the creative and ambitious to build entire lifestyles and careers. What's also unique and special about these emerging fields is the way they blend entrepreneurship and business know-how with a higher mission to help others or to help the environment or just to do things with an eye on making the world a better place. Joining me to discuss this is Shanice Lewis, an entertainer, entrepreneur, and multimedia success story who is one of the original plus-size influencers in the whole country. Shanice is a Baton Rouge native who moved to Los Angeles to launch her career in the early 2000s and not long thereafter won a plus-size beauty pageant. She went on from there to become a model and an advocate for women's positive body image and self-esteem. She was an influencer before most people even knew what an influencer was, and she launched the first podcast focused on plus-size women in 2008 before most people had ever even heard of podcasts. In 2014, she returned to Baton Rouge, where she is still based today, and continues to grow her company, hosting virtual events and making headlines in national publications such as Forbes magazine. Shanice, thanks so much for joining us on Out to Lunch today. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Joining me in Shanice is Paula Lafarge, founder and designer of The Maybe Collection, a Baton Rouge small business that ethically makes comfortable, functional, and beautiful women's garments produced with minimal environmental impact at an accessible cost. Paula started the company in 2016 after spending 10 years designing clothes for nursing moms, children, and utility workers, not all at the same time. She strives hard to have the smallest possible environmental impact in every aspect of the Maybe collection, from the materials she sources to her internal operations to packaging. Paula is a mother of two young children and a native of Baton Rouge who attended the Fashion Institute of Technology and cut her teeth in the fashion industry in New York and Chicago before returning home in 2009. Paula, you have hit on a concept that is so relevant and timely today, like Shanice. Y'all are both really, I think, in important spaces, and it's so cool that you are both in Baton Rouge. So thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Well, Shanice, I'm going to go back to you for to start off with, and, and you were really an international celebrity in your own niche right, based right here in Baton Rouge. And being here, I mean, you're able to do it all. Well, the good thing about um, technology now is that we're able to communicate with people all over the world right in your home. So due to social media, which is a big, big part of my brand, like social media uh, runs my life, basically, I'm able to connect with people still wherever I'm at. 
I want to hear all about influencing because this is such a crazy concept to me, but just tell us real quick about your background growing up. I mean, you didn't envision a career like this, did you? Or did you always want to be sort of an entertainer and person out, out in front? Well, originally when I was in school, I wanted to be a lawyer and ultimately a judge. Wow. So that was my goal. But then I heard already on the commercial that someone was coming to town looking for plus size models and that changed the trajectory of my life. Um, but, uh, you know, I still end up being a public figure still. I'm not, I'm not in law, but I'm still out in front of people. <laughs> and, and, and there's still time. You could still, you could still go. Yeah, that's law. true. <laughs> Okay, we're going to put a bookmark by influencer because I want to hear all about that. But Paula, I want to bring you into the conversation. Love the name of your company, The Maybe Collection, and you explain what it means on the website and how it ties into your mission. Tell, tell us exactly how you came up with the name and what it really means, maybe. Yeah, um, I mean, it's basically, it's supposed to be kind of a hopeful um, statement saying that maybe we can do things differently. The fashion industry has um, kind of, it's got, had, developed a little bit of a bad reputation for not always um, producing in a ethical or um, environmentally friendly way. So it's like, maybe we can do things different. Maybe we can make clothes differently. Maybe we can buy clothes differently. And um, that's what we're trying to do here. It's going pretty well. And I guess, you know, and it's so interesting with fashion, because I guess sort of built into the whole model is that you have to make people want to buy new stuff all the time, right? right? Which sort of goes against the grain of being more sustainable or, you know, shopping at the right. secondhand stores or the vintage stores or just like I do and not shop at all and wear the same turtleneck for 10 years or more, <laughs> right? <laughs> I am sustainable, okay? Yes, but, yes. No, I think changing, um, kind of changing that mindset is part of it. I mean, yes, you're right that... Um, that you do have to sell clothing in order to have a business. But, um, but I think that's a big part of the sustainable um, fashion model is that you don't have, you know, you don't have to throw it out because you bought it last season, you know, making things that are timeless um, can still be a viable business. And and I think it's so interesting that y'all are, you know, both sort of, like I said, in, in spaces that 20 years ago, we weren't talking about sustainable fashion. We didn't have social media, much less social media influences or, or podcasts. Right. So it's really cool that y'all, y'all are both out, out there doing this. Shanice, how does one become an influencer and how do you, how do you monetize that? How do you grow a following? So I became an influencer before social media. So I can't became an influencer from being, um, in media, in publications, on television, as someone that was visibly plus size and breaking barriers. So that's how I was coined that. But at the time when I was doing things, I wasn't calling myself that it wasn't a term. And I think the term came around maybe 2010 when Instagram um, exploded. And so now due to social media, that's the main way people are influencing others now. So you build your following by posting multiple times a day. So take notes. This is what you need to do. Okay. You have to post at least three times a day on Instagram and you have to have engaging content. So people are taking professional photo shoots like weekly or monthly just to have new content to post on social media. It's like a business. And so now Instagram has other aspects to it like stories and reels. So in addition to three posts a day on your 
feed, you also need to go live at least once a week. You also need to post reels and you also need to post at least eight to 10 stories a day. Good Lord. Now, if you're just getting on Instagram, you're kind of behind schedule because now TikTok is booming. So you have to keep up with the times and always have, it's like being visible, like being in press all the time. You're exposing your brand, the same con- concept. And, and how many people are following you, Shanice, on, on all these different platforms? And do you add them all up or? Yes, you do. You do. So I, um, again, got my claim to fame before social media. So I'm not the, the biggest on social media, but on Instagram, I have 10,000. Now to you, 10,000 might seem a lot, but in Instagram terms, there are people with 1 million plus followers, but 10,000 is enough for people want, you know, wanting to pay me to be an influencer. And on Facebook, I have a lot about 70,000 on Facebook. Um, but Facebook is not as relevant um, right now is Instagram, TikTok, and new platforms have popped up like Clubhouse, which is super, super new right now. Wow. And then how you make money because advertisers will pay you to promote their stuff in your posts? Yes. So depending on how many followers you have, you can make anywhere from $500 per post up to $3,000 per post. But if you're famous, like somebody like Kylie Jenner, she makes a million dollars per post. Wow. So, And then some people have contracts. You can have a five-year contract to put, uh, you know, content on your Instagram for a brand. I, I am so fascinated by this. Paula, it's funny because it seems like there, there's a lot of opportunity, I'm sure, for what you do in social media. But how does one make money when you're promoting sustainability? You know, as I alluded to a few minutes ago, it almost seems like it's a, sort of a paradoxical in a way. Um, well, um, yes, but uh, I think clothing, even though it's um, part of being sustainable, is to uh, try to keep your, you know, keep things in your closet, wear what's in your closet. It is also a consumer good that, you know, needs replacing everyone. So, I mean, there, there's, sure. that, but, um, no, I mean, it, uh, the, the biggest, um, thing for me is that so many people that weren't originally in the sustainable market are now entering it. People are seeking this out. Um, you know, I sell through Etsy. So a lot of, there's a lot of that on Etsy, but then also locally, um, people are looking for a different way to buy things. They're, um, they want to know where it came from. And so, uh, because there's, there is, there seems to be more interest in it. There's more demand. Do you make, I mean, do you make all of the clothes that you sell or do you source from sustainable manufacturers or both? We make everything here. Um, it's, uh, which, which I love. I I mean, I I don't know how, (laughs) how long you can stay that way, but, um, but I love, uh, having everything made here in Baton Rouge. I, um, I have four seamstresses that help me locally. They also from home, which was how we were set up before the pandemic and worked out really well. Nice. Um, this past year. Uh, and, um, I have a recent grad that helps me with cutting here in the studio. And, um, yeah, we just kind of do everything in house. We are, we're organized, but we're also <laughs> work very loosely. So, uh, and you design all of the clothes yourself? Um, yes, I design. Uh, Kayla, she, who helps me cut, is a recent grad, and she definitely like helps me work through some decisions. Um, 
Do you carry plus sizes? I I am working to extend my sizing right now. It goes up to XL. Oh, you got to. And I have worked with custom pieces, um, custom plus size beyond the XL. Um, and I have to be honest, some of them have worked out very successfully. Some of them have made me feel like I need to uh, work on that size range a little bit more before I... Well, I'd love to connect with you. We could do a collaboration. I would love that. I would love that, that would be so great. And then you'd have... An influencer, Paula, to yeah. push your stuff. Yeah. No, it is definitely, I have a, a, a list of um, goals and extended sizing, inclusive sizing is definitely um, on that list. There's a huge demand for it. I mean, I do get lots of requests. Paula, where, where do you get your, your fabrics? I mean, is it, you know, does it have to come from sustainably sourced mills? Yeah, I get, um, I get all my fabric online. Um, I work almost exclusively in linen. I have a few other, I have some wool piece, a wool piece and a few raw silk pieces. Um, my linen is inherently kinder to the environment. It um, uses less water. It's, it, um, you know, it, it's a natural fiber. So um, it, in that way, it's environmentally friendly. It is not organic linen. I mean, that's a step farther that I could take it, but since a big part of my goal is to make everything accessible, um, I have to balance cost. And so uh, while you have, it's, it's handmade, it's kindly made and uh, it's already, it is a natural fiber and a, one of the best, you know, most environmentally friendly natural fibers. Um, it, you know, there, there are other <laughs> ways I could take it a little farther, but, um, but it's a balance. And I like being able to access as many, you know, keeping it accessible. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Paula Lafargue of the Maybe Collection and influencer and entertainer Shanice Lewis. Shanice, I love the way you, you jumped into the conversation and it, it made me recognize, besides having a great personality, as an influencer, you are probably always having to look for content, right? I mean, because you can't just put your pretty face out there every day unless you have something new to tell your followers three times a day. So you're probably always looking for the Paula's and the everything else of the world. How, how do you come up with content? Um, so influencers are constantly pitching themselves to brands to work with them because it's like a million influencers. So unless you're one of the top, there's just, you know, everybody's fawning over you. You actually have to pitch yourself and send your media kit to brands and try to make uh, connections. Wow. Okay. And, and so how much do you charge them? Um, it depends. I wouldn't charge um, Paula what I would charge a national brand, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, you have to, uh, you know, it depends on the company. And, and then like, if you're, I mean, you make a different post for Insta and TikTok and maybe Facebook or whatever every, every day, or do you get, to well, that's what you're supposed to do. Now I don't always do what you're supposed to do, but you know, you're supposed to post on, you know, your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram, anything you're on, you're supposed to keep it active. And, and then in addition to the, the influencing though, you're also a motivational speaker. You give seminars and webinars, or, right? To, um, to, like I said, a plus size advocate, self-esteem sort of guru. Yes. So my brand is um, about body positivity. So I'm a plus size woman. So I naturally gravitate to the plus size woman, but some of the um, themes 
are universal about loving yourself, having confidence and self-esteem. So I just believe no matter what size you are, you should, you know, love yourself just the way you are. Um, you know, the disadvantage of social media is they uh, praise unrealistic body types. Um, a lot of photoshopping goes into those posts, as well as a lot of people are not promoting plastic surgery, unrealistic diets. So, you know, me speaking out about body positivity, I feel is as relevant today as it was 20 years ago. Absolutely. And, and Paula, that's such an important part of fashion design too, um, you know, balancing the realistic with helping people feel good about themselves and, and look pretty. And your clothes are, are by design very pretty. Um, how does that, you know, influence the clothes that you design and make? Um, well, yeah, um, I definitely want women to feel comfortable and confident in, in my clothes. Um, that's, huge part of, of my thought process when I'm designing. Um, not, I mean, they, they should feel confident that they're wearing something that's, uh, kindly made, but then also, yes, when you want to, you want to feel good when you slip, slip something on, I mean, a, a rule of thumb is would I wear this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's How is it, I mean, because there's so much hand, you know, handmade labor in, in what you do, how is it really affordable? Or, I mean, I guess affordable is a relative thing, but yeah, um, affordable is relative, um, but uh, but I guess compared to other uh, designers in my arena, um, I would say I'm priced lower, um, slightly lower than uh, a lot of the other sustainable fashion labels out there. And then um, and then I, I you know I try to uh, keep it in the range that I consider um, an investment piece, a, a piece that you would. Uh, you, they're not going to buy maybe 10 of them, but like something that they uh, saved up for. And uh, I, I have a range, my customers range from um, professionals, you know, maybe high paying professionals to college students that literally buy something and then say, oh, I'd really like that too, but I got to save up for it, you know? So, um, so it's, it's, it's kind of, some people have more disposable income. Others are, are saving up for my pieces, I guess. Sure. Do you use social media to market? And I mean, Shanice, would TikTok be a way to help Paula sell her clothes? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I am. Um, that is a, that is an also on my list. I, I do have social media accounts that I, um, I post on as often as I can, I, I struggle to find the time, but, um, but you know, that is definitely a, a goal for me to do that more often to engage, um, because so many of my customers, um, a big part of their interest in the product is that they like knowing where it came from the story behind it. And I think social media is a great way for me to communicate that. Um, and so, yeah, 2021, it's a goal. <laughs> yeah, social media, you should be on social media for everything. Your podcast, your magazine, your, your cooking, yeah, your everything. Yeah. <laughs> Paula, are your clients, your, your customers uh, mostly local or are you out of state at all? Um, yeah, no, uh, I do do a market here. I love, um, I love my local customers. Um, I do have a handful of you, but, um, but most are out of state, a lot in California, um, a lot in, uh, the Northeast and the, the Northwest. Um, 
So mostly uh, within the U.S., I was shipping internationally. Things got a little hairy with shipping internationally, so I've um, shut that down for a little while until a lot of lost packages <laughs> over wow. the summer. But, um, but, uh, but no, yeah, mostly out of state. I know. I wanted to ask you both about, about competition and Shanice, I know like in your case, for instance, you got started before there were a lot of other influencers and podcasters, and now the space is, is filled. How do you keep your, you know, your brand above the, um, or front and center and Paula, I mean, you're just breaking in and I, how do you, you know, competition is a, is a big thing. Well, I just focus on myself. I don't uh, focus on what other people are doing um, because that's how you get sidetracked trying to always keep up with the Joneses. So there's always going to be somebody new that pops up, but you know, I've celebrated 20 years, so I really don't feel like I'm competing now. I've, I've did my time. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah. What Shanice said, (laughs) focus on yourself. And um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of my take on it also. Paula, one of the great things about doing this show on, on Zoom is that you can look in and, and see. So you're in your studio right now and I see pretty close behind you. Where where are you based? Um, I just moved into this studio the first of the year. This is actually in my backyard. I, um, oh. <laughs> I, had, <laughs> I had a studio space um, that I rented, um, you know, a great location, not far, you know, a couple miles away. And d- during all this, I just found myself working mostly from home. And so I do have two small children and I've been in here now a week and I love it. It's, uh, it's, it's just really more conducive with my lifestyle. And, um, and, and uh, you keep all the inventory right there. Yeah. I, um, okay. So I inventory is a new thing for me. It's, um, I've been 99% made to order for the past four years. And, um, and I am now, building an inventory. Uh, that's kind of a new, uh, thing for 2021. And I do have it all here. I have, um, I'm trying to carry a couple colorways of each style and a a size run of each. And, um, yeah, that's what we've been working on. This is kind of my off season. So that's what we've been working on these past few months. And it's, it's been interesting. It's been fun. It's a little scary. We'll see how it goes. It's, um, a little different. And I guess the way the world works today is you both can do what you do from home. Is is being in Baton Rouge an advantage or just, you know, what you choose to do, the pros or, or cons of it? Shanice, I mean. Well, for me, I think being in Baton Rouge is definitely a disadvantage <laughs> because the majority of the people don't even realize I'm in Baton Rouge. I, they always say, you're in New Orleans. I can't wait to see when, when you're in New Orleans. I'll say, no, I'm in Baton Rouge. That's a totally different city. So, I mean, some people don't even know Baton Rouge exists. So it's not a major market. Right. So I'm definitely at a disadvantage. However, with the internet, especially during COVID, when a lot of events were virtual, um, you know, a lot of things were online. It really didn't matter. But for instance, you know, besides influence, I was an actress. So definitely being in Los Angeles was more beneficial to me to go on auditions in Los Angeles. So, um, you know, you just got to do what you do with the, the cards you're given. And, and Paula, Baton Rouge is not exactly the fashion center of the United States or even of Louisiana. <laughs> no, I've definitely do what you got to do. I've just kind of been making it work and, and I really love the way it's worked out. So, um, so, uh, you know, when I lived in Chicago or even Atlanta, there were production facilities where, you know, a designer, even a small designer could send 
their samples and have things produced. Well, that, that doesn't exist in Baton Rouge. So, yeah. um, and also, I just want to add too, like, this is the first time Paula and I are meeting each other. There's not really a space for creatives in Baton Rouge or a space for us to network or even a space for us to be celebrated. So I'm sure it's a lot of people here I could collaborate with, but it's no way for us to connect. No, I, you are absolutely right on that. And you are both doing such great things. And you should have known each other by now. And there should be a space for that. So add that to the goals for 2021. Well, Shanice Lewis and Paula Lafargue, you both are such wonderful assets to the Baton Rouge business community, and you are touching the lives of so many women, especially around the country in important ways, and you both have great stories to share. Thank you so much for being with me today and for taking the time to share your insights on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I hope we can connect again soon. Absolutely. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been entrepreneur and entertainer Shanice Lewis and Paula Lafargue of The Maybe Collection. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on WRKF. You can hear our unedited conversations and find out more about Shanice Lewis and Paula Lafargue by listening to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, it's batonrouge.la. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. Photos are taken by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. We're going to go back to hosting Out to Lunch around the lunch table at Mansur's on the Boulevard one day. In the meantime, you can go there. Mansur's is open seven days a week for lunch and dinner. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino, Dave Winwood, and Ann Edelman. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. <laughs>